Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The West Steps. And this week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We have two guests in the house, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And we're going to talk about a topic that people usually don't associate the children's campaign with. So who wants to go first? Uh, I guess I'll start. I'm Erin Miller, uh, Vice President of Health Initiatives here at the Colorado Children's Campaign. Who's also also been on uh, the West Steps before. Yeah, I I feel like I have a little bit of practice, so (laughs) that feels good. Good. And I'm Sam Espinoza. I'm a policy analyst here at the Colorado Children's Campaign. And which area do you focus most on? I focus mostly on health. Great. Um, So usually when people think about the children's campaign, they don't normally think about family planning or um, sex ed. So can you talk to us about why the children's campaign is increasingly involved in this area and what are the policy um, areas in this specific issue? Yeah, I'm happy to sort of start and then Sam can maybe jump in too. Um, I think that, you know, one of the one of the reasons we got engaged in this work is because uh, being, you know, having a kid as a as a result of a planned par- pregnancy when, you know, parents were ready and they had planned it and they were excited to become parents just gives that kid an automatic leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we want every kid to get off to the best possible start. And so I think that that's where a lot of this work comes from, is that um, if we can help, um, you know, families in Colorado plan um, that we can help all these kids get off to the best start. We know that because uh, we don't do a great job um, in this state, in this country of supporting teen parents, um, that kids who um, are born to teen parents just have initial challenges. Um, uh, Pregnancy and parenting are some of the most often cited reasons for dropping out of high school. So that means their parents often don't finish high school. That can lead them to experience poverty at a young age, which can create toxic stress for those kids. Um, and again, like I think we could do more to support uh, parents of all ages, um, but we we just don't have a ton of supports built for those kids. And so um, helping uh, families plan kids and, and have kids when they're ready and have finished their school and sort of charted their future um, just just helps get those kids off to the best possible start. Great. So um, you talked a little bit about how by helping kids start at the uh, on the right um, level, it sets them up for success. How does sexual education and sex ed comes into this? Um, so I can go ahead and jump in just to kind of build off what Aaron was saying is we know that families do better when they are planning their pregnancy, when it's intentional and it's a choice. And a part of that family planning process is making sure that adolescents have access to comprehensive, medically accurate sexual education. And so I think that that's a big part of how we're involved in this work and why it's important. It's because it is a part of the family planning process. Right. And I would say that there's, you know, there's just great evidence for a lot of the policies that we're supporting. And so when we think about um, ensuring that folks have access to all forms of family planning um, services, so including those that are most effective, like long-acting reversible contraceptives or LARCs for short, mm-hmm. um, hormonal implants, those kinds of things that you do one time and you don't have to do every day mm-hmm. over and over again. You know, those are the most effective ways um, of, of, for, of family planning. And um, we know that expanding access to them just reduces unintended pregnancy, it reduces teen pregnancy, reduces unintended pregnancy. And there's just terrific evidence to support that. And I think similarly around comprehensive, medically accurate sex education. 
Um, we know from studies all over the world, actually, that um, that, it, you know, just teaching anatomy is not enough. Like that's an important thing to have in your biology class, but that is not enough to really set kids up for making these really complicated decisions. Um, and so we know that sexual education programs that pay meaningful attention to things like power and gender, that those are things that help kids make good decisions about when they want to initiate sex and what kinds of protections they want to use around it. Um, and so there's just great evidence to, su to support both of these policies. Excellent. So um, I think this the, the fact that it's evidence-based and it sets it looks at this two-generation approach and making sure every kid starts at a level that's acceptable to should be acceptable to all of us. It sounds great. Can you speak to some of the uh, barriers families in Colorado face when um, they are trying to plan their families and they are preparing? Um, to have families or not have families, what what is that? What are those barriers look like for families in Colorado? Um, yeah, so I think it's the same barriers that we see with a lot of healthcare. Um, it's about access always. It's always about access, and not only to services, which is really important, but also to information and education. Kind of like we talked about with comprehensive sexual education, um, and then it's also about affordability. Um, making sure that you can afford the options that you want, that it's covered by your health care, that you know about the options. So for me, those are the two biggest things that it always comes down to is access and affordability. But I'm sure that Aaron could add more. Yeah, I think I think that those are, you know, big ones. We know that those are issues, especially in the rural and frontier parts of our state, that it can be really hard to get access to these services um, in those areas. Sometimes you have to travel four hours to find the nearest place where you could get access to the full range of family planning services, for example. Mm. Um, we also know that um, access to information around them is a barrier, um, especially for kids who aren't getting comprehensive, medically accurate sexual education. Um, there are parts of the state where the where the only hospital systems won't, won't provide a full range of family planning services. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are definite barriers. I think another one that comes up in this space um, that's a bit unlike some other healthcare services is around confidentiality, that there's a lot of um, like young adults and teens who um, might want to access these services, but are afraid about, um, you know, an explanation of benefits, that thing you get in the mail when you get a healthcare service that says this is not a bill and you're like, well, it really looks like a bill. Mm -hmm. That thing um, gets mailed to whoever the policyholder is. So mm -hmm. if you're under your parents' plan, and you, you know, get some of these services, I think people worry that um, it could be disclosed to folks in their family that they're seeking these family planning services, and they worry about that um, lack of confidentiality around it. I think the last one that I would add um, is that the current um, federal administration, the Trump administration, is working to increase barriers to um, medically accurate and full information and services. Um, and so there was recently proposed some federal rules that would really limit what kinds of inf information providers could provide to their clients. Um, and and those those rules are working their way through the court system. A, a federal judge in Oregon actually just um, uh, blocked some of them from going into effect yesterday. Um, but uh, I think there's a real concern that if those rules move forward as they're drafted, that there will be providers in Colorado who just don't accept federal funds for this work anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and that could mean that thousands of folks in Colorado lose access to these services that they have now. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you guys talked a little bit about affordability and access. Do most health insurance cover family planning services? So uh, this is Erin again. And um, under the Affordable Care Act, um, it, it's one of the preventive services that are required to be covered by private health insurance co- plans. So everyone's health insurance plan um, covers these services. Medicaid covers these services. Um, Colorado has done great work over the years, actually, to um, expand access um, to all of these like most effective long-acting methods of contraception, but also to um, for people who prefer using a pill or prefer using you know monthly um, forms of birth control that um, folks can get several months at a time when they go to the pharmacy, both folks who have private health insurance and, and on Medicaid too. So they are services that are covered. Um, and I think then, you, so the, that's why in, in a lot of cases, um, barriers come down to, for people who have health insurance, they come down to full information, access to a place that has has these services, concerns around confidentiality. Um, but we also know that there are still a lot of folks in Colorado who don't have health insurance coverage, right? Mm-hmm. For, there are people for whom it's still too expensive um, because their family doesn't qualify for tax credits on the exchange mm-hmm. um, or because they make just a little too much to qualify for tax credits on the exchange. Um, and we also know that there are some women without proper documentation who don't have health insurance coverage and who still need access to comprehensive information and a full range of family planning services. I would say that's a a decided minority Mm -hmm. of the population that, you know, that struggles with access, but an important one for us to be thinking about as we want every kid to have this benefit of, you know, being the product of sort of a planned um, pregnancy. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we are thinking about the full range of folks in Colorado. Excellent. Um, So you touched a little bit on some of the challenges people face in Colorado to access family planning services and comprehensive, medically accurate sexual education. Can you speak to some of the successes and challenges we've seen at the at the state level? I think you mentioned a little bit about what is happening at the federal level. Um, I think for, for a lot of people, that kind of feels still a little bit far away. Um, so can you speak to some of those, um, the state level ones, challenges and successes? Yeah, um, I'll start. This is Aaron again, and then I'm sure Sam will have additional thoughts, too. Um, I think, you know, one of the things is that we have a public health department that really believes in expanding access to the full range of family planning services and has done a ton of work over the years to run a really strong program that expands access to these services. Um, there's been a couple of uh, of victories or near victories mm-hmm. this legislative session um, we've been talking some about comprehensive, medically accurate sexual education. There is a bill um, that says that if a school is going to teach sexual education, so schools in Colorado can still t- decide whether or not that's something they want to teach, but if they're going to teach sexual education, that it has to be this comprehensive sexual education that pays attention to gender and power because we know that those issues are important in actually making an impact on kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has passed its committee hearing in both chambers and is working its way through the process now. Um, We have also been working uh, for several years to increase um, state funding for family planning services for these public health clinics that provide family planning services. Um, And this year we did um, increase state funding to those clinics by about a million dollars. And that is great. 
Um, there was definitely a concern in the advocacy community because of these new federal rules that we talked about, that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these rules might cause providers to stop taking the federal funds that we've also used for these programs. Mm -hmm. And so thinking like we might need to really increase what the state is is putting toward these programs. Um, And so we had a million dollar increase. I think there are folks who who think like the program really could do a lot more if it had more resources. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really effective program. And if it had more resources, it could reach more folks, especially in these rural and frontier areas. Um, But we were successful um, through the budget process and working on an amendment that allows for rollover of any um, unspent funds. So if the state has any funds that they don't spend this year, they usually get all those funds out the door. But if they have any funds that they haven't spent, it will allow them um, to roll over, which will allow them to use the federal funds that they get and the state funds as flexibly as possible, at least as far as timing goes. It allows them to be flexible in their timing about when they send out federal funds and when they send out state funds. And this is Sam. I think um, maybe because I'm more pessimistic, I'll focus on some of the challenges (laughs) that we face. Um, And I think the biggest one that comes to my mind is on a human level, having these conversations about what's important for planned pregnancy, because a lot of the times when we start to have these conversations, it very quickly can turn into a value-based conversation instead of a research-based conversation. And sometimes we forget that we're actually on the same page, that we're trying to prevent unplanned pregnancy so that children and babies and families can have the best possible outcomes, period. Um, And so I think while we talk a lot about systems levels, a lot of the time people humans, we make up the systems. And so we have to remember or just think about how we can have these conversations um, in a way that is productive Mm -hmm. and um, recognizing that a lot of the times we are on the same page. We just have different, we're coming from different values or a different perspective and how to honor those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of this conversation gets tied up around, you know, it's about a conversation about women, rightfully so. But I think the kid is usually left in that in that uh, conversation about their their start to to their life and what this means for their um, outcomes later in life. So I think it's really important that this is a family issue and and a woman's right to choose has implications for the kid and the outcome that will have for not just that specific child but also the community at large. So. Great point, Sam. And can um, I just add, I think that that's um, one of the things that one of the big reasons why the children's campaign has to be a part of this conversation is because we do bring um, our perspective is about every chance for every child and making sure that children have the access, the resources, every opportunity to thrive. And so that's really what we bring to this conversation is that mm-hmm. we're thinking about this from a kid's perspective, how to make sure that kids can have the best possible outcomes. And I mm-hmm. think that that's really important. Absolutely. Um, so I think you, you guys have t- touched a little bit about the successes and some of the challenges, um, which always leads me to think about how do people get involved and how do they, um, where do they find these resources? What are other organizations people can follow to not only inform themselves, but also get into the advocacy field and make sure every pregnancy is a planned and, and, and a wanted one? Yeah. um, So I I think building off of what Sam just said, too, that um, one of the things that we we do at the Children's Campaign is that we build coalitions, we build tables, and we try to get a diversity of perspectives at those tables. So we have um, this LARC for Colorado coalition that we've been working with for several years. 
It's got more than 40 organizations um, and individuals in it. Um, and it's folks like reproductive justice organizations who bring that perspective to the table. And then children's um, hospital and hospital providers and public health providers and pediatricians. It's mm-hmm. a broad range of different coalitions and folks with different expertise and different tools. And so um, we're able to bring those folks to a table and have conversations about values and about tactics and you know how do we do as much as possible for Colorado families in this space. And so We'd love for folks to join that table at any time. They're welcome to. I'm going to um, let Sam provide her email if um, she wants folks to get in touch with her about how to get um, connected to that. And it's also those, our emails are available on the website. Um, but we're happy to add folks to that list. They can follow along with emails and join meetings as they're able to. Um. <laughs> and my email, this is Sam here, um, is Samantha at ColoradoKids.org. You can shoot me an email if you would like to be added to that mailing list um, and be a part of the coalition. So you can attend meetings, you can send feedback, um, however you want to get involved. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I would also say that there's some good resources online. So the Lark for Colorado Coalition has a website. Um, lark4co.com, where folks can get additional information. Um, As I mentioned, our public health department does a really good job in these policies. And so um, their website has a lot of information. They've put out a great report a couple of years ago called Taking the Unintended Out of Pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one place. Yeah, good title Um, that folks can start. But so that's the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. That's their full name. Um, and I'm sure if you just sort of Google family planning that you can find the folks there who've, who've really dedicated a lot of effort to these programs. Great. Um, anything else you want to add, Sam? I think the one thing that I was thinking of, um, and while there are a lot of ways to get involved, I also think it's important um, to just acknowledge that a lot of the times we rely on folks reaching out to us. And um, I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of barriers to getting involved and being involved and getting engaged that a lot of the times that's uh, a privilege if you're not being paid to do this work. And Mm -hmm. so I think um, what we're trying to do and we're getting better at as we're building coalitions is is finding ways that we can hear from the community or from people who are interested and really bring that information to your front door and allow a way for um, folks to provide feedback or to gauge interest in a different way. And so I just, I come from like a social work background and so I just want to validate um, folks' experiences, like who are interested in this work and who want to be involved, but it's really hard um, balancing work and those specific interests that folks have. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think there's deeper work that we're going to be doing mm-hmm. along the way to help folks to create the pipeline for folks to be involved and stay engaged. Awesome. And I think the last thing I want to mention is that through the our conversation, we talked about how um, this is, uh, you know, about uh, families and, and that means the whole family so if you are not the one bearing a child that doesn't mean you're excused from this conversation um so i think this isn't about uh one's ability to bear a child or not this is a conversation about the type of families that we want to have in colorado so if kids are not your thing but mm-hmm. women are so get involved if women are not your thing but being a father is your thing get involved um and i think uh, to sam's point that the barrier to entry is difficult but i think the joy that comes with being responsible for how your community looks is immense and reach out to us anytime um uh, by our website or social media and 
forward this um, podcast to somebody who needs to listen and share it on social media and reach out to us anytime. And we'll be back next week with another conversation. And thank you so much, Sam and Eric. Anything else? Uh, I just want to say, like, thank you for, like, recognizing, you know, that both partners are involved in these conversations. I think that that's where the comprehensive sex education is so important, right, that those issues around power and gender and consent are important for everyone to have an understanding of. Um, And we also know that these family planning clinics don't serve only women. Like, it's the majority of folks who are served, but, like, that there are men served by these clinics, too. And so, um, yeah, this is these are services that benefit, you know, everyone in Colorado and Colorado families. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back next week. And thank you so much for making time for us. Thanks. Bye, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)